You're listening to a People of Note podcast, as heard on Classic 1027. Good evening and welcome to People of Note on Classic 1027 with me, Richard Koch. This program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8 p.m. And in it, I talk to someone who is a person of note and we listen to music of their choice. Tonight, my guest hails from Port Elizabeth. His name is Talbot Cox, and he was a successful banker before embracing art as a profession on his retirement in 1999. He established himself as a portrait and fine art artist and has had many exhibitions, live demonstrations and workshops. Good evening, Talbot, and welcome to the program. Good evening, Richard. It's fantastic to have yet someone else from Port Elizabeth, because a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, someone from St. Francis Hospice, and as listeners will know, PE is my birthplace, so it's always good to welcome people from PE. Have you lived there all your life? No, Richard, I've, it's my second stay in Port Elizabeth, and uh, but I've been here now in the second part of my stay, about 25 odd years now. But did you have you moved around the world quite a lot in your banking career? Yes, I, I spent 43 years starting with the old Barclays, which of course today is First National Bank. And I was fortunate enough to serve in five countries. So I had a very interesting and a very varied banking career. And eventually I, I, I ended up as general manager of the bank and I decided to retire in Port Elizabeth, which is a place that's always been very near dear to my heart. And the first time I met you, Talbot, you were playing in the orchestra and this seems playing double bass in the orchestra seems a far cry from banking how did you become a double bass player <laughs> uh, it's quite an interesting story richard when i retired in 1999 i was at a loss of what to do with my life but i decided to have a complete change in 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 in, in vocation as it were and i i decided then to set myself various objectives out of the box as it were but I also decided at the same time that I was going to enjoy the journey and not always just look for the end result, as it were. And so I set what was at that time impossible goals in my life. First of all, I decided to write a book. Secondly, I decided to have an art exhibition. And thirdly, I just wanted to play in the Philharmonic Orchestra. I've always been very interested in music and um, in 1996, somewhere around about there, when Pack pulled out of Port Elizabeth, the Eastern Cape Philharmonic Orchestra was without a home. And we formed a separate company uh, to look after the East, Eastern Cape, uh, the Philharmonic Orchestra's needs. And one day at a meeting in my home in Humewood, I was speaking to Pierre Milan, who was a lecturer in, in the violin at UPE and also a fellow board member. And uh, I said to him, I said, you know, Pierre, I said, you know, I'd dearly love to play in an orchestra. And he said, well, why don't you? And I laughed at him at the time. I said to him, well, what, what, should I, uh, what should I play? And he said, well, why don't you learn to play the double bass? And I looked at him sconce and I said to myself, well, now, me at my stage in life, learning to play the double bass. And he said, I said, well, who's going to teach me? He said, oh, we'll get Anna Marie, who was a cello player of note at that point in time. And so it started a, a journey, learning to play the double bass. Every Monday afternoon, I had a little bucky on which I could load my big double bass. I should ride over to Jutnag. And I did this for almost two and a half years and had lessons with Anna Marie. She was not a double bass player herself, but we got a book called Samandal, which is the holy grail of bass players. And... Um, and so we, we struggled through the early passages of learning to play. And then I asked for lessons with the various bass players who used to visit Port Elizabeth at that time. And they were kind enough to give me lessons. And so eventually I auditioned for the, for the orchestra and I was accepted as a double bass player. And then started a journey which has been absolutely fascinating and, and, and been one of the highlights of my life. Well, it's a fantastic story, and perhaps your first choice of music is appropriate then. This is uh, a double bass player called Jeff Bradetich, and he's playing one of the Bach cello suites, but on the double bass. Yes, I found that fascinating, because, you know, people don't realize that the double bass, uh, you know, that the virtuoso on a double bass can actually play cello pieces, but they do. 
So here it comes, Jeff Bradicic. That was Jeff Bradicic, the double bass player, playing the prelude from the Bach Cello Suite Number no. 1, but playing it on the double bass, which is Talbot Cox's instrument. He plays the double bass in the Eastern Cape Philharmonic Orchestra, and he's my guest in People of Note tonight. And I think, Talbot, you must have been playing uh, double bass pretty well ever since I've been coming down to the Eastern Cape to conduct the ECPO. Um, and it's it's wonderful to see you there always. But one of the other things that you do when you have a break, you generally don't take a break. You pick up your sketch pad, it seems to me, and start drawing or sketching. Yes. <laughs> you know, sketching is one of the most relaxing hobbies one could imagine. Wherever I've traveled in the world, I've always had a sketch pad and a pencil. And uh, sitting at airports, sitting in the planes, sitting at waiting for meetings, sitting for appointments, to sketch around anything around you, I find that it absolutely relaxes my mind. And uh, the time passes very easily. Sketching has been part of my life, um, probably all my life. First of all, starting to doodle on my office pad, but later on, you know, with sketchbooks and so on. And then, of course, I got involved in art. And uh, what a relaxing and a wonderful form of relaxation it is. You know, Churchill wrote a wonderful little book on art. It's about 66 pages and why he liked art. And he, Churchill said, he said, you know, he's always been concerned with the, with, with the matters of the day. And his mind was never at rest. But he said as soon as he picked up his, uh, started painting, he said he found himself totally relaxed and away from the, the vagaries of day. And so, for me, art has been a wonderful form of relaxation and a wonderful outlet in my life. And in a moment, we're going to listen to your next choice of music, but then I want to tell, I want you to tell us about the, the sort of art, because I notice you describe yourself as a portrait artist, but let's listen to your second choice of music first. This is by Antonio Vivaldi. It's one of the movements of spring, from the Four Seasons. That was the first movement of Spring from the Four Seasons by Antonio Vivaldi, the choice of Talbot Cox, who's my guest in People of Note. Talbot, you were telling us about your sketching, but one of your things is that you sketch people more than anything, don't you? Yes, I prefer doing so because, you know, uh, people, it's an amazing fact of, of, of life. If you consider your face, which is no bigger than the palm of your hand, and you consider how many people there are in this world, I think six comma something billion now, and how many have come before them. And you consider the fact that within that little space of a palm, every face is different, no two are the same. And that's a fascinating thought if you think about it. And um, yes, I, I sketch people because there's always a story behind the faces I'm painting. And uh, one of the big things about an artist is to try and go beyond what you see, that sixth dimension, if you like, uh, to try and bring that out in the painting that you, you're making. The Mona Lisa is a good example, for example. It's it, it, people, the enigmatic smile and so on. It's, it's something that everybody can see something different in a portrait. And that's what fascinates me. And you've actually done exhibitions of your paintings. Yes, after I took the decision to become an artist, I, I attended workshops all over the show. In fact, I had a wonderful experience of attending a workshop with uh, Margaret Baumgartner, who is one of America's greatest portrait artists. She's uh, done portraits of all the presidents, for example, and the Pope, etc., and so on. I got to know Margaret because um, having visited my daughter, who was in Moscow at the time, and being in the, um, in the art museum there, I saw portraits by the hundreds done in charcoal. But what fascinated me about these charcoal portraits is the absolute depth of tone that they got. And I came back to South Africa and I could never really get that same depth of tone with the, with the charcoal that I use here. And I happened to see an article written by Margaret Baumgartner about her experiences in Russia and painting there. And she mentioned that they used something that's known as cayuse, or sauce as it's normally known now. It's a pigment 
that they dig. And uh, if it's uh, mixed with water, it gives you an incredibly dark black. But it's a very difficult medium to work with. If you put it on paper, it gets on your hand, you cannot erase it, so no mistakes can be fixed. And so I wrote to, uh, sent an email to Margaret one day, and I said to her, I said, you know, I spoke to her about this uh, pigment. And she came back and gave me an explanation. And then one day I said to her, I said, you know, Margaret, I feel I need um, a new direction in the portrait that I'm painting. And uh, could she recommend somebody that I could go to um, to further my, 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 my expertise? And she said, Torbett, she said, come over and paint with me. Come for a week. So I went over and I spent almost a month painting with her in a little place uh, near, near the north of America, right on the Mississippi River. And it was a wonderful experience to come back here and, and it broadened my experiences of life, meeting all the American artists. And then later on, I painted in the UK and I met some of the artists there and painting here. And it's actually given me a wide circle of friends out of my normal kilter. That's amazing. And we're going to listen to your next choice of music now. And then I want you to tell me a little bit about your own background, uh, where you came from and where your family interested in the arts. But first, let's listen to part of Mozart's famous Eine Kleine Nachtmusik. That was part of Mozart's Eine Kleine Nachtmusik, the choice of Talbot Cox, who's my guest in People of Note. Talbot started life as a banker, but is now a successful uh, artist and also an author, and we'll come to that later. But Talbot, tell me about your, your own young days. Uh, did you play music? Were your family interested in the arts? Because you seem to have, although you were a banker, you seem to have a strong inclination towards several art forms. I come from a very interesting family. My great-grandparents and the Cox grandparents actually emigrated to South Africa from Staffordshire, and started what today is the Bloemfontein Hotel. They started a hotel in Bloemfontein called Polly's Hotel. And it today, of course, is the Bloemfontein Hotel. And um, on my mother's side again, I uh, her father was a Boer, and he was incarcerated on the island of Edithilwa in Ceylon. So I have the sort of mixed parentage, if you like, Afrikaans and English, very strong influences. As a child, I was born in Smithfield, which is a dusty little town in the Free State, on a farm called Glen Morgan, which is my grandfather's farm. And uh, I went to school eventually in Colesburg, where I was the only English-speaking boy in, uh, in, in the Colesburg High School. And uh, you can imagine being an English-speaking little boy and also very, very keen on playing the piano. Uh, it was, didn't go very well with my then compatriots in the school. And I stayed in the Corsairs no help. So it was a very difficult <laughs> initial period. But once the pecking order had been established, um, I made some friendships and I had a wonderful school life, contrary to what most people would have thought possible. Were you playing piano uh, or when you were at school? Yes. Was there someone who taught you my piano? Grandmother, my grandmother, Cox, um, came out from London where she was a concert piano, well, as we say, concert piano. She studied music at the Royal School of Music, and uh, she's a wonderful pianist. And I can remember right into her 90s, she was still playing the piano with fingers that one could almost see through. They were so delicate. Um, and so she imbued, my grandfather gave her a piano as a wedding present on, their, on when they got married. And of course, their children learned to play the piano. and. Uh, my family, myself and Peter and my brother and Ezra also learned to play the piano. And then, of course, my kids have played, uh, learned to play on the same piano. And can you believe it? The not so long ago, my little great, my granddaughter played on this piano, which is the fifth generation. Amazing. And so it, the, I suppose that from, from her side of the, of the family, I've got my musical sort of inclination and the leading towards the arts. Well, I'm, I'm sure your next choice is one of the pieces that somebody would have played in your family. This is the famous piece by Beethoven, and this is 250th anniversary year. It's the famous Fur Elise, and we don't know who this particular Elise was, but I know that your wife is called Elise, so we can dedicate this to her. And it's Lang Lang who's playing. That was Lang Lang playing the famous piece by Beethoven, Fur Elise. 
And I just mentioned in passing there that uh, your wife is called Elise, and uh, that's obviously been a, a long-term relationship as well. Yes, Elise has been a wonderful influence in my life. Um, you know, I had a sad tragedy. Not long after I got my first wife, we got married. She died of cancer at the age of about 31. And I was left with two little children. And for nine years after that, you know, I was uh, sort of single parent until I went on holiday down to Neisner. And uh, I was fishing in Neisner and, and a gull was trying to steal my bait. And I turned around and rushed at the gull and fell and gassed my hand and I needed stitches. And I was taken to the hospital in Neisner and of course that's where I met Lise. And I looked at her and I said, after she'd stitched up my hand and I asked her out for a date that evening. And uh, while we were having dinner, I said, Lise, I'm going to marry you. And she laughed at me because she'd made up, uh, she'd already got uh, her passage to, to New Zealand. And uh, three months later, we were married. And, and that was a wonderful experience. That's amazing. Uh, so you proposed on your first date. Yes, I did. And as I said, two months later, we were married. That's amazing. We got married in the little Belvedere church in Neisner, you know, that historical little church. I do. I know it and, well. Uh, it was really a sort of a magical experience. So yes. fishing took on a whole new meaning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's quite incredible. And where you, you mentioned that you'd lived in several different countries during your banking career. Uh, where did you go? Well, of course, South Africa, and then I spent some time in the protectorates, as, as, it were, as they were known then. I, I was in Masiro in Basutland, and then in Swaziland in Amabon. And um, I had a short spell in London, and uh, for a time I was in uh, America. I was attached to a bank called the uh, Citizens and Southern Bank of Atlanta, down in Atlanta, where I spent quite a considerable amount of my time before coming back to South Africa. So those were wonderful experiences because, you know, um, I had the opportunity later on as well when I was managing director of First National Trust to go all over the world and experience the different countries. Yeah, it's an amazing story. And you ended up then, uh, I, I think you must tell us about this too, because it sounds as though you've got some interesting place where you live in Schoenmakerskop. Well, Schoenmakerskop it's, uh, it's, it's a well-known, well, when I say well-known, it's our secret. It's really a little mag magical haven. We're a couple of homes about 20 kilometers outside Port Elizabeth on the coastline on the cliffs. And we have magical walks around us. And uh, it hasn't really been discovered or outside of Schoenies has not been discovered as yet, which makes us very jealous of our little territory here, especially now with lockdown. You know, we've, we've been confined to our homes. We've got these magical walks right around us here. And that has been really a little haven of peace. Yeah, well, and I guess during lockdown, you've managed to do all sorts of things. Because if you're a writer and an artist, there are all sorts of things you can do during lockdown. Yeah, I, I do quite a bit of writing, as you know. And that seems to be taking up most of my time at the moment. Now, your next choice of music is by Puccini from La Bohème, and it's the famous Musetta's waltz song, Quando Mienvo. That was the famous waltz song, Musetta's waltz song from La Bohème by Puccini, Quando Mienvo, and it's the choice of Talbot Cox, who's my guest in People of Note. Talbot comes from Schoenmarker's Corp, as we heard, near Port Elizabeth. He was a banker, but now he's uh, an artist in his retirement and a writer. And you mentioned there that you've spent a lot of time writing during lockdown. And one of the things you've just done is to produce a book called Adamo. So just tell us about Adamo. Well, Adamo has been long in the coming. Because you know, I've been thinking about the theme and the concept of this book for, for a number of years. And eventually um, I decided to put it down on paper. And it's an amazing thing. Once one starts on something like this, you know, the characters in Adama started taking on a, a life of their own, as it were. And they led me into all sorts of interesting aspects of life around us. And um, yes, it's been a wonderful experience writing Adama. The whole concept of Adama, which in Latin means I love life, or loosely in Latin means I love life, revolves around the 
a mythical figure who produces the most wonderful musicals. And these musicals are published worldwide. The songs are played worldwide, but nobody knows who Adama is. It, Adama roots all his musicals through a, a conductor of note who is a Frenchman in, in France. The musical entities have tried to find out who Adama is to no avail. Detectives have been employed and people have, from all walks of life have tried to find out exactly who this mythical figure Adama is, but it, to no avail. And then eventually it, it sort of culminates in the fact that a whole number of interesting characters are drawn into this intrigue. And um, it includes the Sangoma, it includes um, concert pianists from Colesburg, and it includes uh, somebody from France. And so all these characters all combine together into a magical final which takes place at the Albert uh, Royal and Albert Theatre in London. Yes, it's been a wonderful experience, Richard. And it sounds as though with pianists from Colesburg and so on, that it's got a bit of autobiography in it as well, has it? Yes. <laughs> I suppose one can't help uh, putting in a bit of yourself, you know, uh, when, when writing. And I see a, a Sangorma and a Swazi royal prince. So bits of your life will appear from time to time. And just as a matter of interest, how do people get hold of this book? Well, the book is available at the moment on Amazon. It's also available on Take A Lot, and then it'll be nationally publicized probably within the next month, when hopefully it'll be available in all the bookstores all over the country. The book has been well received by some of the critics up in Johannesburg and elsewhere, and so I'm hoping that um, sales will take place. The proceeds of this book are all dedicated to a trust fund that I, I formed a while ago for to educate children that come from impoverished backgrounds. So I hope the book sells well. Well, that's also a, a noble cause because education uh, is so important in one's life. And as we know, the education system in South Africa is not always brilliant. So anything that can be done to help uh, people who don't have access to education is a good thing. So this book, Adamo by Talbot Cox, is published by Reach publishers, but you can get it on Amazon or on takealot.com. It's called Adamo, A-D-A-M-O, and the author is Talbot Cox. Now, Talbot, I'm going to play your next piece of music, which is by Bach, the famous Toccata and Fugue in D minor, and then I want you to tell me about the cover of the book, because on the cover is a, an interesting portrait of someone well, not a portrait, but a picture of someone performing on the piano. So first, we're going to listen to the famous Toccata and Fugue in D minor by Johann Sebastian Bach. And this is an amazing recording from Notre Dame. And uh, I chose this one because uh, Talbot asked for the music, but recently the organ, of course, uh, a lot of it was destroyed in Notre Dame. And here it is, the Toccata and Fugue in D minor by Johann Sebastian Bach. That was the famous Toccata and Fugue in D minor by Johann Sebastian Bach, and the recording was made at Notre Dame in Paris. And I guess, Talbot, have you seen Notre Dame or been in Notre Dame? Yes, some years ago, but I mean, I just passed. It is, a, of course, a, a wonderful experience to just see it. Sadly, it uh, uh, won't be visited, I guess, for a while while they're busy rebuilding it and fixing it up. Rebuilding it, yes. Yeah. Tell me about the cover of your book, Adamo. Well, you know, when I was looking for a cover of Adamo, I wanted something musical. And uh, some years ago, Rocco de Villiers played in Port Elizabeth. And uh, whenever Rocco came to Port Elizabeth, he used to stay with me in my home in Humewood. And one day I did a sketch of him in charcoal just a very rough impasto sketch, as it were, sort of impromptu. And um, he liked it very much, and he tells me that it's hanging in his study at the moment. And then after that, I did a, an, an oil painting, also in a sort of impasto style, to try and give the impression of somebody that is really gay-free and loves music and full of expression. And um, so that, that's, that forms the, the, the outside of my cover of Adamo. Yeah, and, and that's... Um, 
on the cover of this book, which Talbot has just released, published by Reach Publishers, called Adamo. And you can get that either on Amazon or takealot.com. Will it be in any bookshops, uh, Talbot? Yes, it's going to be, uh, well, as we speak now, it is being uh, considered by the booksellers in South Africa, and hopefully um, there will be a national launch of this book, and which afterwards it will be available in all the bookstores. Well, hopefully once COVID is over. Yes. Well, well, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but yes, <laughs> it certainly would. The book, of course, I mean, it also has the subtitle, One for a Heartbeat, One for, a, for Eternity. This, the subtitle comes from the fact that the book, eventually Adama does decide to say who he, who he or she is. Because don't forget, nobody knows if Adama is a woman, a man, Chinese, Greek, or whatever. And um, he then decides, she, or Adama then decides to, to come out of the, cabinet, uh, of the closet, as it were. And um, he writes a play or a musical which depicts the youth of this world and the how upset they are about what their parents of the inheritance they, they came to inherit from their parents and um, in doing so he comes up with the um, concept of this whole play based on the tragedies of the south african scenario the kids at shopville etc and so on and um, this of course has the world in a tizzy and so the whole concept of the of the player then grabs the attention of the Boy Scouts and the and the Girl Guides movements, and they then spread it to the other youthful organisations. And eventually, there's a whole outcry from the youth as a whole who's going to use the slogan "One for a Heartbeat, One for a for Eternity" as their national slogan. So that's all sort of ties in together, Richard. Now, your next choice of music is by Felix Mendelssohn. And you were talking there about, uh, or we have talked about tragedies and so on. And this, uh, Jacqueline Dupre is the performer in this. Uh, and it's an arrangement, obviously, of A Song Without Words by Mendelssohn. Uh, Jackie Dupre playing the piano and she, uh, playing the cello. And she uh, had a very painful and long uh, death period where. Uh, she had multiple sclerosis. So here it is, Song Without Words by Felix Mendelssohn. That was A Song Without Words by Felix Mendelssohn, uh, played by Jacqueline Dupre, the choice of Talbot Cox, my guest in People of Note. Richard, a very interesting story about the uh, cello is um, some years ago I had the privilege of a wonderful cellist by the name of Mark Trubinsky, who stayed with me in Port Elizabeth after performing with the, uh, with the orchestra. And he's a big Russian guy. And he was like a Russian bear with a big moustache and beard. And he used to crouch over the cello, which he used to hold in his hands. And um, he was a contemporary of Jackie, uh, of, of, of Jacqueline Dupree. And um, one day I was trying to make conversation with him. And I said to him, Mark, what do you do when you don't play the cello? And he said in his rough uh, Russian accent, he said, Torwit, when I don't play the cello, I meditate about the cello. And I've always remembered that as, 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 a, as a clear indication of dedication. Now, you've talked several times about people who've stayed with you, and I know you're involved in the, uh, is it called the PE Music Society also? Yes, I've been a member of the Music Society. In fact, I'm an honorary life member for some years, where I was president at one stage, and of course now, uh, it's under the wonderful uh, guidance of Erika Portma, who's our concert pianist here. And she's done a wonderful job of keeping the music society. This year, in fact, is the 80th anniversary of the PE Music Society. So it's got a long and varied history. That's amazing. And you've been involved with it for, for many years, I guess. And actually, just tell us a little bit about the musical life of Port Elizabeth, because... I'm always amazed by the high standard which is maintained in the schools there. And you've got this uh, quite an active orchestra, the ECPO. The musical life of PE is quite impressive. Yes, that's one of the amazing things about Port Elizabeth. And that's one of the big attractions that uh, caused me to retire down in this part of the world. 
the people here are still very orientated towards classical music and so forth. As you well know, Richard, you've been coming here for some years. This is your hometown, so you know the background. The Music Society, then we've also got this wonderful other organization, the Feather Market Organ Society, which uh, Professor Albert Trotsky has been nurturing and keeping going. And um, between the Music Society and the Eastern Cape Philharmonic Orchestra and the, and the, and, and the Feather Market uh, Hall, uh, we've had some wonderful musicians attracted here from all over the world that have played here and performed here and so forth. And uh, there's always something on the go in terms of the musical uh, background. The music in the schools here is on an extraordinarily high note, as you well know, because we've got dedicated people in these schools that are fostering music all the time. Yes, and a lot of them play in the orchestra as well, because the orchestra has got a lot of young people in it. I mean, it's got one or two older people, particularly in the double bass section, but also some wonderful young people. Very much so. You know, the orchestra here is, is, is made up of mostly the students that come from the Nelson Mandela University and uh, from the schools itself. The schools are nourishing these kids up to, uh, up to the orchestra level. And uh, we're very fortunate in, 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 in having a, quite a, an amazing talent amongst our young people here. Which is fantastic. Long live PE, I say. Well, your next choice of music is by Tchaikovsky, and it's the Piano Concerto Number no. 1, but instead of the first movement, which is most often played, I, I, although you put it down, I chose the final movement, the third movement from Tchaikovsky's Piano Concerto Number no. 1, and here it comes. That was the third movement of Tchaikovsky's Piano Concerto Number no. 1 in B-flat minor, the choice of Talbot Cox, who's my guest in People of Note. Talbot hails from Port Elizabeth, although he was... Uh, his early life was spent in Smithfield and uh, Colesburg, but now living in P.E., where he's a writer. He's just produced a book called Adamo, uh, and also um, an artist and portrait painter. But, Talbot, I think this is not your first book. You've had some other books as well. Yes, you might recall I said at the beginning of our interview that um, when I re-decided to... Um, I decided to change my life after I retired. One of the sort of out-of-the-box objectives I put was to write a book. And uh, it's amazing that once you put that sort of objective in your mind, how the mind will actually help you create what you, you, you envisioned or dreamt of doing. And um, I'm a senior golfer. And having played seniors for some time in the Eastern Cape, they, I was thinking of writing the history of senior golf in the Eastern Cape for, for our local club members. But senior South Africa got to hear about my, uh, my ambition to write, and they actually gave me a plane ticket to fly up to Johannesburg, where I was asked to write the senior golf story in South Africa. Now, that was a wonderful experience because I then was given carte blanche to go all over South Africa and collect tales and anecdotal stories of various golfers and this whole wonderful movement of senior golf. It also took me into countries like America and the UK and so on, where I learned the background of, of, of senior golf and how it actually ended up in South Africa. And so my book, Senior Moments, was produced in, 19, in 2010 and it was launched at the uh, National Seniors uh, uh, Competition in Cape Town in 2010. It has since been given to every new uh, senior golfer in this country gets a copy of this book. Because contrary to what a lot of people think, senior golf did not start in the UK. It started in America and uh, was eventually brought to South Africa. It is a sort of a unique blend of golfers worldwide who are normally chosen to play for seniors, provided that they've done something for golf in their younger years. And the book actually encompasses lots of anecdotal stories of various golfers uh, that have prided South Africa and so on. And it's just been a wonderful experience putting it all together. How do people get hold of that book? Well, you know, the book is not, it's not uh, actually published. Uh, it, it, it's a closed edition now. And I think the various senior golfers 
societies throughout South Africa have got limited stocks which they give to the new seniors. But if somebody wanted a book, they could contact me down here. I've still got about 10 copies that uh, I'm quite happy to, 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 to go. And how do they but, contact um, you? Well, if they just contacted me, uh, you know, talk at Cox, C-O-X, Schoonmarkers Corp, Port Elizabeth will get me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's by mail. And I t- what I've often suggested is that if people want to mail me, uh, then I can pass the emails on to you. And my email is my name, R-C-O-C-K, rcock at iafrica.com. So if you want to send me a mail about this interview or any other matter for that uh, matter, just send me a mail, rcock at iafrica.com, and I will forward it on to Talbot Cox uh, if you are interested in that book or any of his books, or in fact, if you want to contact him about his portrait painting. Talbot, do you are you commissioned to paint portraits also? Yes, I'm not doing much in the line of portrait artists now, but I, I was commissioned. I've done quite a lot of portraits, but um, I'm not um, sort of... Uh, painting actively portraits, as it were, so yeah. doing a lot of pen sketches and so on. Yeah. Uh, but, the, but the book also, um, yes. if people are yeah, interested in senior moments, um, if they Google senior moments, there are various books on second-hand markets now that are available. Because the first edition sold out more than a thousand copies, so there are quite a lot of them available. Okay. Uh, and the Eastern Cape also has a lot of... Uh, visual artists, doesn't it? I know, I mean, Port Elizabeth is quite rich in visual artists. Well, Port Elizabeth is full of artists, you know, which is a great thing, you know. I was, I've, I've been involved with the Eastern Cape Watercolour Society for some years too, and um, it's a very vibrant society that operates in Port Elizabeth. And the various groupings of people that uh, do art, yeah. Of course, the sad thing is that, you know, we don't get any sponsorship so a lot of the artists are sort of working from homes and so on, and there are a lot of underprivileged uh, artists who need to be exposed and so on. And uh, EPSAC, you know, which has been the sort of uh, home ground for artists, seems to be not very active at the moment, which is a sad thing. But yes, art is, 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 is flourishing in some aspects in Port Elizabeth. Well, you've talked about your time in America. Here is someone who spent some time in America also, Antonin Dvorak. And this is, in fact, the final movement of his New World Symphony, Symphony No. 9. This is the fourth movement. That was the fourth movement from the Symphony No. 9, the New World Symphony by Antonin Dvorak, the choice of Talbot Cox, who's my guest in People of Note. Talbot, having done however many books you've done now, have you got something else in the pipeline? What is your next project? Well, I'm writing at the moment. I've got another book, which you're aware of, which is at the moment with the editors. And uh, that sort of encompasses the 50, my 50 favorite classical composers, which has been taken me a couple of years to put together. You know, the experience in writing the book has taken me into all sorts of fields and avenues and research, which has been most interesting. And I sort of enjoyed the journey, as it were, and hoping for the final result to be uh, available in the very near future. But it must be very exciting to see these projects come to fruition. Well, you know, Nelson Mandela once said, he said that he said it's not it's impossible until it's done. Well, a lot of these things when you start out are impossible until it's done. And I'm hoping that, especially with the with the the, the, the latest book, uh, that it will be um, a success. And. Um, I also wrote another book, Richard, that people might be interested in, Charcoal Portraits from Photographs, which is available still on all the sort of, um, you know, Amazon and Take A Lot and so forth. Charcoal Portraits from Photographs. What What is the story behind that? Well, you know, in a lot of the workshops that I gave you, one of the things that people find very difficult is to do, is to do a portrait, is to where to position the eyes and the nose and the mouth and that sort of thing. Because, you know, with portraiture, you know, the slightest little mistake in the positioning of a facial feature means that you don't get the likeness. You've got to be very accurate. And particularly people that start out doing portraits, it's a very difficult thing to get that first sort of initial placing of the various features of the face in the right position. And, uh, you know, years ago, and 
artists used to use cameras obscura and things like that to sort of take a copy of what they of the of the of the face and then paint the into the copy of the face and um, today you know a lot of people when they do portraits and so on would put a squared crossword puzzle if you like uh, blocks over the face and then enlarge it to whatever the size is needed and paint into that and i said well why do that why don't you just take a photocopy use the photocopy and then copy the photocopy onto your paper and then do the rest and people threw up their arms in disgust and said well that's not art you can't do this and i said well you know at the end of the day you are trying to get an, uh, uh, an image on paper. How you do that is, is your business. And the difficult part about portraiture is not how to get the outlines always, but what you put inside it, the chiaroscuro, if you like, and putting those, uh, getting the tonal shades right is a very difficult thing that only comes with a lot of practice. And so I decided to write a book about it, and uh, which I did. And the book has been fairly successful and it's available, as I said, on these various, uh, various, various uh, mediums. Now, your next choice of music, you will have to explain this choice. It's the Swanee River Boogie Woogie, played by Albert Ammons. Just tell us about that. Some years ago, a friend of mine, we were having dinner one night, and um, we were talking about jazz. Now, I love jazz. I think some of the jazz and some of the soul music and so on uh, appeals a lot to my other side of my nature. And uh, talking, we said, well, why don't we go to, Los, uh, to, to New Orleans, which is the heart, of course, uh, of jazz, of, of, of soul music in America. And that's Louis Armstrong's uh, territory, as you know. And so it happened that we then took a trip and we went to New Orleans and we stayed in the French Quarter, which was a wonderful experience, right on Bourbon Street. And uh, of course, that's got the famous preservation hall, you know, where these artists uh, gather every night and play on uh, play jazz. And to get into the preservation hall, you've got a queue because <laughs> tickets are not easily available. And when you get to the hall itself, it's the most unprepossessing hall you've ever seen in your life. The windows are dirty, they've never been cleaned. It's uh, not a very big uh, hall. And it's for, for, for seats, it's got benches of planks put on, on, on bricks. And you sit on these. And as the numbers finish, people leave and you move forward. You stand at first and then eventually, if you're lucky, you get a seat on one of the planks. But the jazz is unbelievable. Of course, they've got these jazz musicians playing on all these various instruments. And um, it's just a wonderful experience. Even the presidents of America have been into preservation or and it is just tradition to keep it like it is. Wonderful experience. And here comes the Swanee River Boogie Woogie, played by the pianist Albert Ammons. That was the Swanee River Boogie Woogie, played by the pianist Albert Ammons. And it's the choice of Talbot Cox, who's my guest in People of Note. And I noticed, uh, Talbot, that your next choice is also an unusual one because it's an orchestral piece by Smetana called The Moldau about a river, but it's in a version for two pianos with four players. That's an unusual choice. Not often you hear that. And in fact, um, I was fascinated with this piece of music. And what made you choose it? I don't know, Richard. I mean, you know, the fact of the matter is that uh, I just love all piano music and all music. The, it was an unusual piece of music, and I thought it was well worth listening to, and I loved it. And uh, I thought I'd put it in the in the, in the list. So here it comes, Smetana's The Moldau, but in a version for eight hands at two pianos. That was the famous Moldau by Smetana, but in an unusual version for eight hands at two pianos. That's four players at two pianos. And... Talbot, earlier on in the interview, you mentioned that your your first experience playing in the orchestra was Handel's Messiah. And I see that your your next choice is the famous Hallelujah Chorus, which I'm sure you've played many times now because we always do it at the last night of the proms where you're always playing in the orchestra. And uh, I guess this was a sort of highlight of your first concert that you played. Very much so, Richard. 
Um, as you know, you've you've conducted us so many times in the last twenty years doing the Handel's uh, Messiah, which is always an uplifting piece of music. But the first time I played was my first uh, appearance in the orchestra, and I remember my first appearance sitting in the in in in, in the orchestra was uh, Rob van der Linde, a good friend of mine, who is my age or slightly older than me. And uh, he turned around to me and said, Torbert, he said, now we're two old toppies. And that was 20 years ago. I don't know what they'll say now. <laughs> now we're probably two old granddaddies. <laughs> yeah. But um, playing that in the Messiah, I was so enthralled with the whole concept of this orchestra around me that quite frankly, I, with the tears were running. I don't think I saw the music. I don't think I made a contribution to the orchestra, but it was just one of the most uplifting moments in my life. And uh, yes, so you was a memorable occasion. Yeah, you would recommend people when they retire to take up some new challenge, would you? Very much so. You know, um, after I retired, as I said in two thousand uh, in uh, nineteen ninety nine. Elise and I did a trip around South Africa. We we rode around the borders of South Africa in a four by four, and um, we took as much time as was necessary. It took us almost a year to do. And in fact, we never booked wherever we we're going to stay. We literally went where the wind blew us, and that was just a wonderful experience. And I came back to Scunies eventually, and um, I was at a loose end. I really didn't know what to do with my life. I sort of felt. I needed a complete change. And um, I decided then and then to not ever look at a balance sheet again. And I never looked at another balance sheet. If you asked me what the price of the Sassel shares are today, I wouldn't even know. And I, uh, Because I needed a new direction, a new something to do. And that's what I recommend people, that you're never too old to do any damn thing, as long as you enjoy the journey. Because a lot of us, when we want to do things, we always want to achieve the end result before doing the journey. And uh, the secret is to enjoy the journey, to live in the moment, as it were, and when learning to do a different thing, whether you want to play an instrument, or whether you want to write a book, or whether you want to do whatever. Well, there you are, and you've certainly lived that out. And here, yeah, because uh, I remember you were telling me earlier that you proposed almost on your first date to your wife Elise. Here's Love's Dream, one of the Liebesträume by Liszt. This is number three. That was the famous Moldau by Smetana, but in an unusual version for eight hands at two pianos. That's four players at two pianos. And Talbot, earlier on in the interview, you mentioned that your your first experience playing in the orchestra was Handel's Messiah. And I see that your your next choice is the famous Hallelujah Chorus, which I'm sure you've played many times now because we always do it at the last night of the proms where you're always playing in the orchestra. And uh, I guess this was a sort of highlight of your first concert that you played. Very much so, Richard. As you know, you've, you've conducted us so many times in the last 20 years doing the Handel's uh, Messiah, which is always an uplifting piece of music. But the first time I played was my first uh, appearance in the orchestra. And I remember my first appearance sitting in the, in, 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 in the orchestra was uh, Rob van der Linde, a good friend of mine, who is my age or slightly older than me. And uh, he turned around to me and said, Torbert, he said, now we're two old toppies. And that was 20 years ago. I don't know what they'll say now. <laughs> now we're probably two old granddaddies. <laughs> yeah. But um, playing that in the Messiah, I was so enthralled with the whole concept of this orchestra around me that quite frankly, I, with the tears were running. I don't think I saw the music. I don't think I made a contribution to the orchestra. But it was just one of the most uplifting moments in my life. And uh, yes. So you would, a memorable yeah, you would recommend people when they retire to take up some new challenge, would you? Very much so. You know, after I retired, as I said, in 1999, Elise and I did a trip around South Africa. We, we rode around the borders of South Africa in a four by four. We took as much time as was necessary. It took us almost a year to do. And in fact, we never 
booked wherever we're going to stay. We literally went where the wind blew us. And that was just a wonderful experience. And I came back to Schoonies eventually, and um, I was at a loose end. I really didn't know what to do with my life. I sort of felt I needed a complete change. And um, I decided then and then to not ever look at a balance sheet again. And I never looked at another balance sheet. If you ask me what the price of the Sassel shares are today, I wouldn't even know. Because I needed a new direction, a new something to do. And that's what I recommend people, that you're never too old to do any damn thing, as long as you enjoy the journey. Because a lot of us, when we want to do things, we always want to achieve the end result before doing the journey. And uh, the secret is to enjoy the journey, to live in the moment, as it were. And when learning to do a different thing, whether you want to play an instrument, or whether you want to write a book, or whether you want to do whatever. Well, there you are, and you've certainly lived that out. And here, because I remember you were telling me earlier that you proposed almost on your first date to your wife, Elise, here's Love's Dream, one of the Liebesträume by Liszt. This is number three. That was Liebestraum by Liszt. That was number one, number three in A-flat major, uh, the choice of Talbot Cox. And we're coming towards the end of the program now, Talbot, and I just want to say again that Talbot is an artist and an author and a musician, and he's just produced a book called Adamo, One for a Heartbeat, One for Eternity. And you can get this book on Take-A-Lot or Amazon. It's published by Reach Publishers. And the one element that I noticed, Talbot, is the unclaimed royalties. And this is an interesting subject in South Africa because there are several people who've had unclaimed royalties over the years. So I, it's interesting how you've woven uh, everyday stories into this book of yours. Uh, was that a conscious thing, this weaving of the unclaimed royalties? If you read the book, you'll find that the, um, that the composer, well, not the composer, the producer, through which Adamo sends all the musicals. Eventually, you can imagine all this money was coming in and, um, you know, from royalties and so on, and he needed to find a home for that. And he decided at that point in time to open up a trust account, which was eventually opened up in Guernsey for tax purposes and so on. And these amassed to an enormous fortune over the years, close to a billion pounds sterling. So there it is, all woven into this book called Adamo by Talbot Cox, which I'm sure you can get and then read. And it's been one of his ambitions in his life to write this book. And I've been speaking to Talbot, who's in Port Elizabeth at Schoonmarkers Corp. And if you want to get in touch with him, I suggest you write to me, rcockrcock at iafrica.com, and I will pass your emails on to him. And if you have any suggestions of people you'd like to hear on People of Note, then please uh, write to me at that same address, rcock at iafrica.com. Well, we've come to the end of the program. I just want to say thank you, Talbot, for being on the program. It's been great to have you. Thank you very much, Richard. And we're going to play out with uh, a Chopin polonaise in A-flat major, uh, the final choice of Talbot Cox. And to all of you at home, I say thank you for listening. And until next time, from all of us here at Classic 1027, we wish you a very good night.